Welcome to the Rugby League Europe podcast. You are listening to episode 10 of the Rugby League Europe podcast. You are listening to Lee Addison here and my partner in crime, Carlo Napolitano. Carlo, we've lasted till episode 10. We've not been sacked. We've not been jailed, sued or whatever. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's always a good. It's a, always a good. Uh, a good sign when you haven't been sacked or you haven't been uh, thrown under the bus. But yeah, right. With, with all the sacking that's going on in the NRL at the moment, we're doing well to keep our job. Um, the other, mate. We can only start with this this week, right? Rugby league is 125 years old this weekend. Wow. Uh, when when this podcast sort of comes out around the 29th of August. Before we go into that, um, talk to us about that on Twitter, at the RLE podcast, Instagram, at the RLE podcast, and the Rugby League Europe podcast on Facebook. But 125 years old, Carlo. Um, when I say that to you, mm-hmm. and I sort of saw, I said that to you in the pre-planning for this episode, what was your first reaction? What do you think? Do you know what? Straight away, and I've got to be honest, straight away I thought of we're 125 years old. Why aren't we recognised by Sport Accord and GSR? <laughs> You're but, obsessed with sport. Yeah, I am. I am. I, I, do you know what? It, 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 it's like got this burning fire in my belly mm. to think that um, a sport is 125 years old, yet it's not been recognised by the the body that recognizes sports in uh, in world in world world sport uh, i just find that completely crazy can find that completely crazy but in saying that on a positive spin wow hasn't the game evolved you know it's evolved and it's survived ever since i've been a young boy with you growing up in school, <laughs> rugby league has always been doomed. You know, it's always, oh, this club will not survive the next mm. two years. It has survived. Has it thrived? Possibly not. Should it be played in more countries? Yes, it should. Should it be better commercially? Yes, it, yes, it should. Should it be on more TV screens and stream more? Yes, it should. But there has been some fantastic successes too. Rugby league is a sport that has led the way in so many ways. And I suppose the big one for me, the thing that changed everything, and I know you've got opinions about this and memories of this, was the Super League, the, the time of Super League coming in. It caused a war in Australia. Yeah. Um, while I talk about Australia, people in Australia think the game started in 1908. No, it didn't. It started in 1895 in a hotel in Huddersfield, the George Hotel. George and But it, it's, the Super League war started a uh, split in the Australian game. But England, Great Britain, and if you like Europe, went a whole hog into Super League. We had Paris Saint-Germain play Sheffield in the first ever game. Um, Your memories of that and your sort of reflections on that? Well, I think it was a very exciting time, especially in the UK. Um, I'd... uh... I'd actually signed for Salford during that period. Uh, in 1995, I went on tour with Great Britain under-18s uh, to Barlow, actually under-18s, to New Zealand, came back. And there was a number of contracts on the table. And, and, and for me, you know, Salford was, was was the one that I wanted and it was there. So I took that up. And then, um, yeah, we had... It was mad. I remember it quite well because we had a long season, which was the last winter season. 
and then uh, sorry, a short winter season, then into into the summer, new summer season, and it was bonkers playing in the heat. <laughs> I, I, I remember forget that. It. Yeah. I never forget it. But the it, heat. You live in Australia now, and you used to call that heat. Yeah, I know, I know. But it was it was different. We was never used to it because we were always playing. We was always out playing uh, Tiggan Pass, weren't we? In the in the yep. summer, your so, preseason was in the summer. Yeah. And you played a couple of games where it was a little bit warm, and then all of a sudden you were on sloshy pitches and hailstone outside and yeah, horizontal rain. Mad, and it was a mad mm. change, mate. It was a mad change, mm, but I think mm, it mm. was it was one to to promote the game. And, and again, I thought it was done correctly. And I think um, uh, the Super League brought the game to the TV. We had uh, TV rights. We had Sky Sports. We had three games on TV, uh, which I don't think's even changed to the day, which is another story. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we you know we made that we made that leap. Now, you know, did we evolve properly uh, over the over the last probably twenty years? Well, we, I, you know, that's for that's for everyone else's opinion. But I think uh, it just goes to prove, and we've only got limited, still a limited amount of games on TV. It probably means that we haven't evolved. Um, you know, we did have the Paris Saint-Germain team for a couple of years and they disappeared. We also yeah. had, I can't remember if they were in Super League. Were the Celtic Crusaders in Super League at any point or South Wales or something like that? I think they were, but I think mm. it was very short-lived. Yes. Um, they had a lot of Australians yeah. over there. Yeah, I think that, that only was involved. That's in right, Anthony Seabold. <laughs> How ironic. Um, and... That only came into my head then because we you've got an interview with uh, somebody from Wales coming up later on in this podcast, haven't you, Carlo? Yeah, I have uh, Corey Phillips from the Ronda Outlaws. So uh, we had a good chat and that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, it's just interesting to me when we think about the evolution of Rugby League. I mean, 1995, the 100th anniversary of Rugby League, the Centenary World Cup, Wales were playing in that World Cup. There's a long history of Rugby League in Wales with players coming. Our own local club, Salford, had many Welsh internationals, one of the most famous being David Watkins. And, you know, I'd love to know when I've listened to your interview how many clubs they have over there now and uh, and what the state of play is. And don't, you know, don't don't ruin it for me until I've no, listened to well, the interview. No, I won't, I won't spoil it for the listeners. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I think, um, you know... Again, we we've just got to make sure that that in, in all countries that play rugby league that they're getting the fair and adequate access to the development tools that they need in order to grow, and I think that's really important. Uh, but I won't spoil it. If they were in and around Super League, mate, they would get fair and adequate resources when it comes to pizzas. That is the big news <laughs> coming out of rugby league in England this week, and. The commercial officer, Rodri Jones, I mean, what another Welshling, that sounds like a Welsh name to me, said, as we have seen since the restart, the Betfred Super League games are getting faster and harder and I know the players are grateful when they see so many pizzas to choose from after a tough 80 minutes. I can't believe I'm reading this out. Uh, I'll, I'll still complete the, 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 the next paragraph. Papa John's marketing director, Giles Codd, added... Ensuring the players and officials are fed safely post-match. Well, I didn't know there was guns going off when they were eating, but fed safely post-match is paramount and our teams are well drilled in safely delivering fresh, hot and tasty pizza after successfully adapting to the situation we find ourselves in during this global pandemic. Mate, our sport's been going 125 years. Super League is the second biggest sport 
uh, sorry, competition in this sport, and it is resorting to giving free pizzas to its players as a sponsorship deal, and is not apparently getting a penny. I don't know what, Lee, Lee, I think this speaks volumes about the governance of where we're at. You know, I think um, I thought the Eddie, Eddie Stolbart deal for Super League was was ridiculous. Um, when especially Nigel Wood uh, came out and, and actually said this deal was that good, it couldn't be turned down. And then we realised that there was no money involved. It was like, it's ridiculous. And, uh, and now we're going back down that route. Not only are we, are we saying to our development kids uh, that our role models are eating pizza after a game, which mm. is, a, is, a, is a terrible, terrible thing to, to kind Mate, of put forward. An NRL coach that was sacked, and one of the reasons was that he felt pizza was a good recovery option after a game. It was sacked, but one of that was one of the reasons. Pizza and a beer. Well, <laughs> and, and here we are, and here we are, screaming for money mm. uh, to promote our game, and a major sponsor is a pizza. Now, I, I've got nothing against pizza. I'm Italian, so, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. not, I'm, not, I'm not hating yeah. pizza, and, yeah. you know, it's a sometimes food, meaning, you know, you eat it sometimes. Mm. Well, what 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 are we saying? What is the message that we're putting out there to our our young uh, development players in saying, you know, it's all right to eat pizzas after a game? You know, I understand is that, is contra deals. Is that how you is that how your rehab starts? Oh, I understand contra deals, but I would have liked to have seen them do something whereby every supporter who's bought a season ticket this year yet hasn't had chance to go to a game gets those free pizzas. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, Disadvantaged kids in the area of each club. Um, it is just ridiculous. It makes our sport a laughing stock. You know, fair play to Papa John's. You know, thanks for what you're doing for rugby league, Papa. Good on you. But and this isn't a criticism of Papa John's. They've actually done all right out of it. But there was coverage in Australia lamenting this deal. Like I said, it's the second biggest league in our game. So this is like the Bundesliga or La Liga doing something similar. And I wouldn't mind, in some of these countries, in some of these clubs, there's other people in the game working on other things that are a lot bigger than this. And Rugby League is just such a closed shop, and, and that's the best I can come up with, like, honestly. And for people who sort of say that we are anti-this and anti-that, negative this, negative that, I mean, are you telling us we should be positive about that? <laughs> what? what? Oh, no. <laughs> You know, um, I, I just yeah. No, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. I, I was I was lost for words, mate, when I seen it, and I think we had a bit of a chuckle about it. But in the harsh reality of it, we 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 need we need money um, in our game, and and we need uh, good sponsorships. I don't think. I think I think even the TV deal that we've done with Sky, um, you know, if it was negotiated correctly last time, we would have, you know, we could have been on BT Sport or whatever it was, you know, whatever mm. other options there. Mm. But I'm, I know that we needed to do something in order to force the hands and push away. Because mm -hmm. I'm telling you now, three games of um, rugby league on Sky Sports uh, in 1995 when the Super League started is okay. But here we are now in 2020, over 25 years, and we still have just three games. <coughs> no. well. it's, not, it's, not, it's not evolution. 
Excuse the pun. Excuse the pun, Carlo. I want you to have a pizza. This. Um, <laughs> do you remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the resolution from a couple of nations that was sent to the RLEF yeah, uh, countries yeah. and blah blah blah. Right. Yeah, it was sent and then it was backed and then yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. read it out and yeah. yeah, we got we got burnt a little bit because everyone's going, "Oh, you're anti-RLEF." Yeah, no, we're just we, telling we, the we story. We didn't send it. We well, were sent yeah. to us. <laughs> well, I can tell you now that about eight nations are supporting it. That's a, you know, I say about because some say they support it and then they're just waiting for the email confirmation between them. But it's, ga- it's gaining support. There's been a response from the RLEF to the nations mm-hmm. and there's a bit of to and froing going on. So we won't say too much yet. But all I can tell you, Carlo, and I've not told you this yet, and from what I can understand... <sighs> In context, I've seen an email that is supposed to be from a director of the RLEF in April of 2020. So I say supposed to be, you know, you've always got to say this. Apparently, he or she asked a nation to backdate invoices for a development officer in 2018 but the development officer in question actually left the organization in 2016. So I'm still trying to make sense of it, right? But that I have got the email in front of me now. And that's going around the rugby league European world right now. Now, people can call us negative, whatever. We are literally reporting what's going on. The the mainstream rugby league uh, journalists don't have the column inches or don't have the airwave time to cover this in Europe. We can this mm. is what's happening to our game, and this is what people are talking about. Your reaction? I've not told you about this one, Carlo. I've blindsided you with this one. What's your reaction yeah. when you hear that? Uh, well, mate, I, I think if that's well, uh, straight away, it's a bit criminal, isn't it? Really? Is it? If, sure if, it's, if it's true, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, well, again, it's alleged, mm. but uh, if that if that's come to light and it is true, then I'm pretty sure that's. I'm pretty sure it's fraud. Pretty sure. <laughs> so um, yeah, mate. Well, that's this, this is. I, what... I, I listen. I don't want to keep bashing the governing bodies, mm. but you know, I've just got to make make a point. We're not going out of our way here. This is dropping into our laps. That's right. As our reach gets bigger and, uh, and wider, um, obviously people are getting a little bit peeved uh, from the Minnow Nations because they know things are going on that right. aren't correct, and they're just submitting this to us via. Uh, the social media channels. I'm, I'm like, and it's beyond me how how we how we can turn around and say that the governance is not in question when things like this are being done. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I just want them to answer it. And again, I repeat our appeal for members of the RLAF directors, um, staff. Please come on this show and talk about some of these things because if they're left unanswered, our listeners aren't stupid. They will make up their own minds. So, Carlo. After 125 years, let's find out where Wales is in rugby league. Tell us a little bit about your guests that you talked to. Yeah, mate. Well, we're having a good chat with uh, Corey Phillips. He's a player and a coach with the Ronda Outlaws, but you know he's been involved in the the Welsh rugby league system for a number of years. So, it, it, uh, no further ado, I'll, I'll just get get busy with that and uh, yeah, let the listeners uh, listeners have a listen. And on the line, we have uh, Corey Phillips. Uh, Corey, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? 
Yeah, very good, very good. Mate, we, uh, we're covering a little bit of uh, rugby league in Wales. Uh, do you want to just give the listeners a bit of your background? Obviously, you're, are you play a coach for Ronda Outlaws? Yeah, I'm player and I'm the under-12s coach as well. Oh, so, my Patience of a saint, Cora. Uh, patience of a saint. Especially at the moment. Oh, forgot to beat my horn, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right, mate. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, basically, just give us, a, give us a bit of a rundown of your background, how you got involved in rugby league, and, uh, and then we'll probably transfer into how the game is looking in Wales, OK? Yeah, um, I found it by a bit of an off chance. I was playing... Obviously, there's not much rugby league back back in Wales. It's all rugby union based. Yeah. Everything is, is rugby union mad. So um, I was playing union. And I was off season, and one of my friends suggested go and have a game of rugby league. And I was like, yeah, give it a go. And I loved it from the moment I played. I haven't stopped playing since. That was four years ago, five years ago. Wow. Um, wow. I haven't stopped since then. I love it. I don't so, even play union much anymore. Yeah, so, so just, just that transition, probably for the listeners, because a lot of listeners um, probably are just all rugby league and not rugby union. But give us, give us an idea of that transition going from rugby union. Why, why do you find rugby league more uh, entertaining or more uh, better to play rather than rugby union? I found like the, the, the game time, there was the balls in play for a lot longer in league than it is in union. So like a lot of the time you're standing around if you're, if you're not a forward hitting rucks in union, you're just standing there waiting for the ball. Yeah. So it's quite, it can be quite boring on times, but obviously in league, the, ball, the, the game's so fast and it's 100 miles per hour all the time. So it's, it's yeah. great. You're always doing something. You're always occupied. Yeah. So, that was, so that's the hard part as well, the fitness levels. Then you have to get up, up to the levels of playing that pace, which is quite hard. But yeah. it's great. Great, great. And the, the, how is the domestic scene looking uh, in, the, in the Welsh Rugby League? Um, about two or three years ago, it was looking really strong. It was growing really well. But then a couple of those sides have gone to play in the CLS, which is the English like Southern Conference. Right. So they've switched over to that. So we lost two sides to that two years ago. So it, it's we've still got a lot of sides and a lot of growth. But this the sides are like slowly moving away from the the Welsh Domestic League, which isn't really good. So that's why we were looking to play in the Euros so that we can get a couple more games because last year we only had four sides in our league. Yeah, it's not it's ideal bit, then. It's a bit difficult to have continuity when you've only got uh, so many sides. Um, the, yeah. And, and it just it's, doesn't, it's so hard doesn't make focus, sense. Like I said, rugby union is so powerful. Everyone plays rugby union, no one plays rugby league. So it's hard for them to prize these players away because it's so ingrained in them that they play rugby union that they're not Do- willing to change. And does the Welsh Rugby League season follow, obviously, the summer season as it does in the Super League and, uh, yeah. and in the British Amateur game? Yeah, it's exactly the same. It's uh, The Rugby League season is Rugby Union off-season, so a lot of the guys are resting up, ready for the next season. God, the, the lower levels, though, it would be an ideal way for them to keep fit, wouldn't it, really? That's, that's what we try and advertise it at sometimes, just to try and get a couple more people across and then... Hopefully, when they come over, they they'll stick to yeah. it. So yeah. it's a way of like we advertise, but a lot of the guys are just so stuck in their ways that you can't change them. Yeah. So so what how what what backing have you had from the Welsh Rugby League? Is is have they got much of a development plan, or or um, do, you, do you see do you see that these barriers in place that that are just uh, struggling the game to develop in Wales? There's, 
there's a new obviously um, Gareth Keir and Mark Jones have taken over the the structure and they see, keep saying that they've got a great plan in place and they keep a lot of advertisement about this new plan but obviously COVID has stopped that plan yeah so hopefully now when things go back they do have this plan and there's a way of moving forward and progressing the game because I think there's a there's a great opportunity for AM Wales but it's just it's just breaking that barrier down of of the two different sports and trying to prize people away so yeah it's always very difficult and people forget even though Wales is very close to England and the northern parts of England if they forget that Welsh uh, Welsh rugby union is just so strong and and it's played everywhere that it is an uphill battle and it does need a little bit of assistance um, yeah. You know, it's 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 one of them. It's a real, real. There's there's so much talent there, though, and that's what I what I can't get my head around is I just think that in the lower leagues there'll be so much so much talent in the youth that there potentially could be some great rugby league players, and we all know there's a big line or a long line of Welsh rugby union players who have actually gone across to rugby league and had glittering careers. Uh, yeah. So, so the, the the pedigree's there. The pedigree's there. Uh, it'd just be great to. Well, it, it all starts from growing. Probably in schools. Is there much development work going on in schools? There's, there's, I think that started last year. I think I know there's a college setup, but I think they're slowly starting to break into the schools now. From a young age, they, yeah. their minds more open to playing both games. Then, so before they get stuck in their ways, you want to get them into into playing league. So. Yeah, of course. It all starts at school. School's so important from the fact that you get them playing at a young age and they, and they they get they get exposed to it. So I think mate, you're they're on the the right lines for that. Now tell me a bit more about the Ronda Outlaws. I believe you you've only been in existence for about four or five years. Five years, I think in June or July, I think it was. So we're. Young setup, but we're quite ambitious to be honest with you. We're the only club in Wales who've got their own actual ground, which which is ours specifically for rugby league. Mm-hmm. So other than other than uh, the West Wales Raiders and the North Wales Crusaders, but they are semi-professional clubs. We're the only amateur side to have our own field. Um, we we're doing quite well. We've gone from in five years we had we started off with just a men's team. Uh, yeah. Now we have a men's, a women's, under 12s and under 14s in five years. So we're growing quite fast. Um, last season was our most successful season. We won the Welsh Premiership and then went in to play in the Challenge Cup. where We went up to Barrow Island and didn't do very well there. But still, we had a go. Um, this, this season now, we're looking to progress again. I think bring a couple more under-age groups in. Maybe another women's side. Uh, a young... A, under, I think it was under something girl side, but it's slowly progressing. Um, yeah, it's good. It's going good. Yeah, well, I, I was I was just bouncing around on your Facebook site and I seen those, uh, you know, obviously winning the, the the Welsh Premier League. And I think again, it's it's more about getting more clubs playing. You know, um, yeah, I think I think that's got to be the progression from the Welsh Rugby League to to increase that number. Probably prize those uh, those teams back as well from England to to try and bolster up the the Welsh rugby league scene. I think that would be a great advantage as well. The the, the Ronda Outlaws, though, you know, what what's your take on this Euro Thirteens, Cora? Um, well, like I said, we would we would looking at getting more games more than anything. We were trying to just because obviously we only get about eight games a season with 
how small our domestic league is. So it's hard to progress and develop players over eight eight weeks. Yeah. So by the time we get them in, they learn something and then they're gone. They don't see us for another year and then they're back in the same boat again. So they have to learn yeah. everything again. So it was mainly to get a couple more games. Um, the opportunity to go and play teams abroad is awesome. So I think it was more to do with the development so we can get boys playing more often than yeah. anything else. So, do, do you find do you find that a majority of the Ronda Outlaws uh, senior team, are they... Are they co-signed with the rugby union team, or are they just more think, more rugby league than than rugby union? I think about ninety percent of our side are co-signed with rugby union as well. So they both, they, by the time they finish their season with us, they're going back to the union clubs and they forget everything that we've talked about or taught yeah. them or anything. So it's quite hard then. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. So it's, it, that's the real problem that you've got. It's a real barrier, isn't it? And hopefully, yeah. you're all 13s. Like from my personal perspective, I think it's really refreshing. I think it's a great character dangle as well, and the opportunity to play other European countries or domestic sides in European countries. I think is outstanding. Um, I, the only the only probably downside from my point of view is that potentially you could only play one game. If you get knocked yeah. out in the first round, it's done, dusted, and you're out. So yeah. um, you know, I think I think this is the starting point, and I think that's the only downside of it. What what do you see about the draft system? Do you think uh, Ronda Outlaws are going to get a few draft picks? Um, I'm, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping we get some uh, some guys in with a bit of knowledge, help us progress as a side, um, teach us some new things, and yeah, I think the draft idea, the draft system is a great idea. It's refreshing, um, isn't it? It's completely yeah. refreshing. You've got people coming from outside the club with a different perspective on the game coming in and you can share ideas and it's a great way of developing the sport, I think. Of course, of course. And do you see that, like, within your club, Ronda Outlaws, do you see many people progressing and, and taking, doing the coaching awards and, and doing the coaching courses? Yeah, I think we had four new coaches last year. Um, I think it was three referees. So... Our, our lads are learning as well and picking up things on the um, the coaching side of it as well as on the playing side. Yeah. So it's all about progressing. Like, obviously, myself uh, taking on the under-12s this year, which is a new side we started this season. So it's uh, quite exciting. And it's, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I I have no doubt. I have no doubt, Corey. I think all the hard work that you and everyone's doing in the Welsh Rugby League, I think, you know, it's it, COVID has really put a, a hindrance on, on any type of development around the world, not only just in Wales. But I think yeah. I think Wales can be a massive hotspot of just just talent there, unearthed talent. It'd be great to get some, some funding around it and, and, and trying to get more people into schools to try and develop that kind of uh, development conveyor belt and get these these players coming from uh, far and wide in Wales to, to to start playing rugby league and then hopefully increasing the league setup and again you know the Euro 13s what a great concept to be playing other countries um, and I personally wish you all the best mate for it I think. Uh, we've run out a bit of time, but thanks for giving us a, an insight to the, the, the gaming world uh, in Wales and, and also the, the insight to, to Ronda Outlaws. Uh, I think uh, I'll be watching it with uh, bated breath, mate, to see how you go. Thank you very much. Um, I've, I'm sure I'll listen to the podcast again, though. Even Excellent, though mate. Yeah, well, <laughs> mate, get everyone in Wales on it, mate. Get everyone in Wales on it. It's been... It's, 
it's a it's a real good way to to understand how rugby league has got its reach far and wide in in, in European networks. So yeah, thank you for your time, Corey. You I appreciate it. No, no, it's it's a pleasure, mate. And I'm sure we'll have you on again. Okay, thank you very much. Have Take care, day. mate. Bye bye. Bye. Oh boy, oh, is that how Welsh people sound? Um, that was a nice interview. Sounds like a good bloke, Carlo. Yeah, he's a champion. He's a champion, Corey, and uh, great, to, great to have him on. And again, we just it just goes to show now we, we're getting more of these smaller nations or nations that are playing rugby league and uh, getting a good insight to, to what makes them tick. Hang on, Carlo. Did you just call Wales a smaller nation? Well, they're not, and they shouldn't be, should they? No, you're and right. They, you're right. Know, yeah, you're not. They get an awful lot of back. funding, I believe. They get an awful lot of funding, and they get a lot more than a, a lot of nations. And you know, they should they should have a fully fledged league of their own, really, shouldn't they? Or a super league club that is um, happily functioning and and very successful, or at least a a club that is yo-yoing in between super league and championship kind of thing, and. Um, it just disappoints me because I remember that 1995 World Cup like it was yesterday. I was so excited. Yeah. Yeah. I was a kid still. And Wales got to the semi-final against England. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What a seed. <laughs> Bless you, my child. I'm so blessed by you, Carlo. Bless. I wonder if the producer will edit that out. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just wish it was stronger. And, you know, I, I come from a place of wanting the game to be better, not from a critical place there. Mm. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Warsaw finished top of the Polish Rugby League competition and will play Wudge in the grand final. Now, a couple of interesting stories there. Um, Wudge, right, is spelled L-O-D-Z. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ludge. <laughs> um, and trust me, when we were over there in Poland, the amount of times everyone butchered that name, it's, but you pronounce it Wudge. But the big story for me, is if you look at the picture, it's on our social media, the Rugby League Europe podcast social media, which while I'm at that point, I will I will mention RLE podcast on Twitter, the RLE podcast on Instagram, and the Rugby League Europe uh, podcast on Facebook. There's a bloke on there who looks old. <laughs> so I've done some digging. He's 62 years old, and he's called Wojciech Schnonecki. So, Nicky, have a look, mate, when you're on the social media. I've seen it. Great... I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Look, the yeah, sil- yeah, the yeah. silver fox. And the word from my younger Wojciech, mate, is that he's a legend. And apparently he went and played rugby union after that game and scored a try. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and you're, you know, you were complaining off air to me about your knees. Um, the Czech competition starts this weekend as this podcast, podcast comes out. So, all the best to those in the Czech Republic. When I was over in Poland last year, we played the Czech Republic and we had a great time with them, particularly after the game. Um, so Serbia had an under-19s competition last weekend and that was won by the Partizan Club of 1953 of Belgrade. And that's a club apparently, mate, get your, get your head around this, that has apparently existed in Serbia since 1953, albeit not continually. So it sort of was in in action from 1953 to 64, I think, and then it's obviously yeah. come back now. When you hear something like that, it just, again, it makes you wonder what we've done over the last 125 years, doesn't well, it? Well, it, may, it, makes you, it makes you wonder how much hold 
because all the stories, if you think about, remember, rugby league was played in the in the fifties and the sixties in Italy, um, quite prevalent, and it was only the rugby union that basically turned around and stopped it. And if you speak to everyone else, the same stories, uh, the, well, the stories are the same in all the other countries. The only the only time it stopped was when the rugby union put pressure on the rugby league clubs and said, "Well, your your players, if you play." If you got a contract in rugby union, then it'll be torn up if you play in rugby league, and it literally stops overnight. And that happened yeah. in country after country after country. So it's no surprise that majority of these countries have got rugby league in them because if you think about it through the wall, the wars, there was a lot of English, a lot of Australians that were actually uh, planted in these countries. So you know, rugby league was introduced. Just makes sense. The the most famous of those stories is the Vichy government uh, in France. So in very layman's terms, when Hitler invaded France, rugby league was huge, and particularly at the southern end of the country. The Vichy government was supportive of Hitler and uh, basically carried out whatever was wanted by the, the, the German hierarchy, if you like. And one of the things the Vichy government did was automatically sign over every rugby league club was all of a sudden a rugby union club. So that's like Wigan St. Jude's in England or uh, Logan Brothers in Australia or St. Mary's in in Sydney or, um, you know, Red Star Belgrade in Serbia now or Warsaw just immediately being signed over to rugby union by government order so when you tell me and they tell our listeners that that happened they need to be under no illusions that this has happened and it's really hampered rugby league's progress too so as critical as we can be and as questioning as we can be over what rugby league has done in that time we do need to in the interest of fairness let our listeners know and emphasize that they have had a massive beast go against them constantly. Yeah, of course. And you and I know both know rugby league and rugby union players, and we've both pulled on jerseys in both sports. A lot more rugby league than union, of course. But the players don't care. It's all people at tables, the politicians, the some of the people on boards that have these problems. And rugby union has been a massive thorn in rugby league side in so many different countries. And that that makes me a bit sad when I read that, that this club existed mm. in 1953. I mean, it didn't say in their release whether it was a rugby league club, then it might have been a rugby union club. But, you know, ultimately, like you said, there's been stuff happening in Italy. France was torn apart. Several times France has been torn apart from a rugby league point of view, but that was one of the most high-profile ones. But you know what, Carlo? You've got one week. The general manager position closes <laughs> for the RLEF. You've got one week to get your application in. So to close this out, you've got a job interview. I'm interviewing you. What are the three things you're going to change when you've got the job tomorrow? Uh, personnel. Go on. That's going to be one of them, I would think. <laughs> you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Personnel. We'd look at the constitution um, and we'd probably look at uh, the funding pots. 
Carlo for general manager. <laughs> will you get Will you get us a pizza sponsorship deal for every player in Europe, please? Yeah, but I'll get it named after my dad, Papa Orlando's. <laughs> Papa um, Orlando's. Um, I just want one final thought. As I was going through the RLEF and Serbia RL Twitter feeds just before this show, the last four or five posts are virtually identical on both Twitter feeds. What does that tell you? Uh, that someone's doing it the same. Serbia. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> honestly, uh, please, uh, we want responses, don't we? We want responses. We want. Yeah, well, we do, we do, and we're getting more and more through our social media as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's been a few things that we we we're getting questions of, but we really can't bring them up. Yeah, because yeah, we're we're not trying to get the political vibe out there. We just want good enough questions and. I think and we've um, scored them all, haven't we? So uh, yeah, one yeah. people read out a load, and yeah, yeah, we, we've got to because I think uh, again, you've always said it. Our listeners are our best researchers, but I've mm. got a bit. I've got a bit of a tit bit for you, Lee. Mm, I love tit bits. So we were saying uh, in the in the honour of rugby league being 125 years of age. Did you know that all oval ball sports derived from Salford. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that? Did you know that though? William Webb Ellis yeah. went to school at rugby, but he was born in Salford. And you can Oh yes. So I he never was, knew that. There you go. William Webb Ellis William... I just thought it was the centre of the rugby league universe anyway, but now it is confirmed. It, it certainly is, and of gridiron and everything else that comes off the oval ball. Now, uh, Will, William Webb Ellis's father was killed in action, um, and uh, the the family were living in Pendleton in in Salford, and basically they they um, yeah the, his mother when when the father died the mother took uh, William and his brother and, and went to rugby because of the schooling and lo and behold he picked up a soccer ball and ran with it and created the game rugby. There we go. I think on that note, in Italian, you have to sing "Happy Birthday" to Rugby League to close us out. <laughs> no way! I can't. I can't even remember how to sing it in Italian. <laughs> say it. Say it then. Happy Birthday, Rugby League in Italian. Buon compleanno, Rugby League. There you go. <laughs> see you later, everyone. Take care. Ci vediamo dopo, ciao ragazzi.